Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Knicks podcast. I'm Matthew Miranda, joined as always by Stacey Patton. Um, this is a brief fitted in between holidays episode, and there's really only one thing worth fitting into this episode right now in the world of the Knicks, I think, and that is the curious case of Tom Thibodeau pulling Emmanuel quickly in the fourth quarter uh, late last night in the loss to OKC. Replacing quickly, who was having a, a very nice game on multiple levels with R.J. Barrett, who was not. Um, I think this. I think this. It's like skipping a rock across. Like there's so many ripples from from this. Like from any discussion of of Thibodeau, from Quickly's situation specifically, from you know larger ramifications of the season and the franchise. So let's get into it. Um, Stacy, what's the first thing that? that you want to get into on this story. Yeah. So um, also this, like, it's a weird trend of late. Um, You know, even when IQ came off the bench for Albert Payton, he closed a lot of games. That was one of the, like probably more games than he didn't close. Right. Um, And then they had Derek Rose and then it would be kind of a a thing, but Alfred Payton never closed that season, especially after they got Rose. Um. The year after that is a mixed bag. Um, I think probably the, the lineup they closed most with was him at point guard next to Alex Berg, Alec Burks at shooting guard, which should have been the lineup in the first place. But, you know, like that's the thing. Everyone is like, Alec Burks shouldn't have started. I'm like, no, you're wrong. Alex, Alec Burks should have started shooting guard next to, to IQ and, and have Fournier come off the bench. Um, but... Even even on Christmas Day, you know, a lot of people quickly was phenomenal on Christmas Day. He came out with three and four minutes left, right? And I got that because RJ had had a good first half, not a great second half, but he played really well in the first half. Not just a good first half. He played really well. Um, and I also saw IQ being tired because I saw one thing that I was like, you know, he's got to be tired because – Milwaukee, you know, he helped on a drive from Dame. Dame kicks it out to Bobby Portis in the corner, and it's quickly his closeout. You know, he's stunting to the nail. And not only is he not able to get there, he just watches. You never see quickly watch an open three on defense. He doesn't unless it's like fucking Russell Westbrook or something, right? He don't he doesn't do that. Not from Bobby Portis, right? There's a few possessions before that, he did that. And then bodied up Portis so bad that Portis hit him in the face with an elbow and he got an offensive foul call. Um, so Which was very point, surprising to see from Bobby Portis, by the way. <laughs> I hope that's sarcasm. <laughs> very much so. I, I love Bobby Portis. That's, uh, <laughs> but I, I, that, was, that was great defense, right? It, and if he didn't elbow him, he would have had a really tough shot. So, um, you know, that to me was like, okay, this dude is probably a little gassed. And he had played 15 straight minutes. Um, and quick and 
Tibbs took him out, and I got that. And I think my takeaway from that was like, all right, well, we probably need to have a conversation about whether DiVincenzo should be starting because we know we want quickly to be finishing. We know he's the better player. And if this is actually getting in the way of that, then that's a problem. Yesterday, I had no idea because quickly didn't look gassed. Um, he got taken out after Jalen Williams hit a contested jumper, which I've seen people being like, oh, Quigley's too small. Uh, you know, the, the, the play before that, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who had 36 himself, nobody could guard Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the Knicks. Quickly stonewalled a drive from him, despite being, you know, apparently three feet five and Peter Dinklage sized and uh, Quickly's the worst fucking defender ever. Uh, he somehow stopped Shea Gilgis Alexander. You know they got um, two strong, stocky guards, like two strong guards in Brunson and Quickly, and people talk about them like they're Spud Webb and Nate Robinson, man. Yeah, and it's like, um, well, Spud Webb had a higher vertical than both, so it's probably worth noting. Nate, Nate was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, they they would win a dunk. That two on two would win a dunk contest, but I think Brunson and Quickly would win every other contest. But um. <laughs> Yeah, that's what happened, and then, um, and then he pulled him out, and that one I didn't understand at all because quickly, like Jalen Williams was on fire, and hit a shot, but RJ was not playing good defense, and RJ comes in and turns the ball over, and I, I think let me beyond everything else, look, I don't want to criticize Tibbs, I, I actually want to shout out Tibbs this year, I think he's done a great job. Everyone calls him a backward coach. I know. His his defensive scheme was forward for the time. And it is anticipated this time. I'm actually, I'm being 100% serious. And I'm also, this defensive scheme is why I think it is insane to put an RJ Barrett for Emmanuel quickly. This defensive scheme understands that if people are just going to ISO you and hit middies, you can live with that. Unless it's literally a little kid against Kobe Bryant, most NBA matchups are going to be like, ISO ain't the greatest idea. If that's all you have, you cannot build the whole plane out of ISOs. That's what Tibbs' defense is built on. It is built on the idea that it's not that's not the most important thing. It's about helping. It's about anticipating. It's about the things that Quickly is amazing at. And it always happens. This always happens. Where last year in the playoffs, by the way, IQ was dog shit in the playoffs last last year. The Knicks were still eight points better with him on on the floor per hundred possessions than with him off. And they were way worse on offense. So that entire difference was from defense. Part of that is the bench. But the Cavs were staggering Garland and Mitchell. He's still defending one of those. It's because, like, and like, and, and the things that people focused on last year, and this is what I want to get to, they focused on this Jalen Williams jumper that he hit over quickly contested. Last year, I saw a thousand tweets. Look, Lowry just bodied quickly twice. I was like, that's the thing, though, right? If Eric Spol- like Eric Spolster would never tell Kyle Lowry, oh, if you have quickly on you, just we're just gonna post you up every time. No, you cannot build the whole plane out of Kyle Lowry post-ups. Nobody wants to do that. And quickly is not so bad that it that becomes a viable option. Can you get him once or twice? Yeah. The much bigger issue is what happens when you have to recover to a shooter and you have to help on a drive. And by far. There's one guy who's best at that on this team. That's not a knock on Josh Hart, who was great at that himself. That's not a knock on Dante DiVincenzo, who was very good at that himself. Not a knock on Grimes, who's pretty good too. But they keep 
like the times when quickly looks small just sticks in these people's minds. And it's been four fucking years. His lowest on off was his rookie year when he had a plus a plus eight on off. Like on average, they are double digits points per per hundred possessions better with him on the floor per hundred possessions. He he and Josh Hart are the guys who fit extremely well next to Randall and Brunson, which by anyone's accounts are the two best players. Um, so I'm, I'm not killing Tibbs for this. I am saying it is past the point of insanity that quickly needs clarity minutes a game. And even if you don't think he's that good, you know, maybe people didn't think Andre Iguodala was that good. Maybe people didn't think Andrew Bogut was good, was that good. Or maybe the people didn't think Sean Livingston was that good. They still got minutes because they accentuated the guys they played with. And those guys were the priority. And that's more than anything else what quickly does on both ends. And it's just, um, that's what's frustrating about this. And RJ was bad, and we can talk about that as well. But, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, I just want to say, like, with the game, I, this this hurts me a little specifically because Jalen Williams was for, like, eight minutes a nick. They, when they were making all the draft night moves in 2020, oh, God, what was it? Um, it's 2022. It was, it was the year they got Brunson, so. Yeah, so they were making moves to clear like some cap space to get Brunson. Jalen Williams for like eight minutes was a nick, and I was I was like very excited about Jalen Williams from what I had like read about him that year in scouting reports, and then just he was such a. I thought he was like, oh, this is the guy who's gonna like this guy replace RJ. This guy. The point being just that like Jalen Williams was having a night last night, like a very nice night. It was not a. a I don't even think RJ Anunoby was gonna stop Jalen Williams. On, the, on that play that quickly couldn't stop him on. He was having, like, a good night. Um, I'm curious about this because I think a lot of what you say, the, the issue is not, like, this is not a controversy. Like you said, there's an entire four-year career's worth of game tape and all the numbers you want, basic or advanced, that indicate how... Emmanuel quickly just relates to positivity. And this isn't like, I remember there was a lot of mental yoga going on late in the Frank Nilekina experiment where Nilekina would, would a lot of nights play like 13 minutes and put up like nothing in the box score, but he'd, he'd be like plus six. And we'd be desperately trying to convince ourselves like, see, like just when he's out there, he's making things. And like, I, I, I don't want to relitigate Nilekina, but th- quickly, this is like you're saying, this is everywhere that you look as far as this team, he makes them better. He is, I, I wrote about this in the recap today. He is on their three top two man lineup combos. He's in like the top four, three mans, and then the top six of the top seven, four man and five man lineup combos. And it's not just that because some people you'll see like, like Brunson's all over the place because he play, he plays so much. Like you'll see some negative two man combos with Brunson. One of the things that's striking with quickly is not just oh look at these positives. Like there's also a lack of negatives. Like so, the point of this I don't want to get worked up about it because my point very specifically is there's no question that like there's a world of obvious evidence that Emmanuel quickly with Mitchell Robinson in particular being out hurt. I think should be getting the third most minutes on this team behind Brunson and Randall and whatever combination. Here's my question for you. And it's total speculation, but like 
it's where the mystery for me always hits a dead end. We know that Tom Thibodeau like is a intelligent, successful NBA coach. We've seen over four years with the Knicks, like a lot of like reasons to, to understand like this person is a, a really great basketball coach. He has access to probably even more of the same numbers and information that we do. He's not a spiteful person. He loves to win. Just in a, I'm asking you to speculate because I, I keep getting stuck here. How do we end up in a place where this person is clearly seeming to go against not only evidence, but is specifically going against evidence that seems to point at the result that everything that they appear to be about is about? So I'll, I'll go with first the more pro tips response and then the less pro tips response. So I tried this today. I said, if we started Emmanuel quickly, could we get him to 30 minutes? Here is one issue. If you're going to play Brunson the whole first quarter and have IQ start with guys and then come back and lead the bench unit, it, it's not just IQ. The the gold, the death lineup. This is like if the Knicks are going to win a title, I am this, this sold on this lineup that like this lineup is going to be the reason they do it. Uh, it's Brunson, IQ, Hart, and Randall, mm-hmm. right? If you're if you're trading off IQ and Brunson leading the bench unit and IQ has to start, it gives you less time to play with that unit. And for whatever else you want to say with Tibbs, he's gotten that unit a good amount of minutes. Has it always been in the fourth quarter? Has he closed with it? No. But I think that's consideration. Um I also think, um, I mean, I also think it's tough. You know, he's got a lot of guards. It's it's just, it's the cumulative effect, right? Like, when he, he was a rookie, fine. Like, I don't think he should have been behind Alfred Payton. I think I disagreed with you, with you on that. Fine. Um, I, I didn't even think Alfred Payton was the worst player, by the way. I just thought if you have Randall and RJ, who are, like, not, yeah. who are paint guys playing with a shooter, right? The next year, I loved Alec, Alec Burks. I'm sad we, we got rid of him. I would trade for him right now if we could get, like, if we could trade Fournier for Burks. You know, like, I would do that. Um, but um, That would be a really, really, really sad thing for Evan Fournier, I just have to say. Going to Detroit, yeah. yeah on top of everything, if it all ends with him in Detroit on the worst team ever, I, I probably not lining. playing. I have a silver lining. He's Algerian, and... Um, Detroit has the best Arabic food in the United States. So that would be if you are listening, Evan Fournier, get that agent on the phone and get <laughs> Alex Burks back. You think they got falafel? I can tell them all the great falafel places, all the great shore places. Uh no, I'm not a, I'm not kidding. I have um yeah. So and then third year, you know, he, until Brunson got hurting in minutes. So it's really a cumulative accumulation of cumulative accumulation. Sorry, English teacher. I did not uh, <laughs> construct that one well. Um, but, you know, it's just um, right now, it's just very simple. And I think Tibbs will get it because he gets simple things. I think IQ is going to start over Dante DiVincenzo. I don't think RJ is going to go to the bench. Um, I don't think he hates IQ. I think it is like, I think the like he wants IQ to run the bench is a real thing. And then he feels like if he starts Brunson with IQ, and either 
IQ goes to the bench. If IQ goes to the bench, then he doesn't get enough time with Brunson, IQ, and Hart. I think those are things that are coming to play. Like Vivek from the the strict court actually brought up a good point. Like, what if you made Brunson the guy who plays with the bench, right? If you're starting both of them, yeah. And by the way, IQ and Randall together have been really good, even without Brunson, mm-hmm. right? So they are capable of being good together without Brunson. Maybe you take Brunson out at the six-minute mark. You bring him in, him in for the second quarter to lead the bench unit. Um, I've I've usually been a proponent of Randall with the bench unit or RJ because like it seems like Brunson doesn't need that to get going. Like he's just going to score on anybody. Randall and RJ, I think, benefit from playing bench. Like Randall can score on anyone, but like against bench units, he's unstoppable. Brunson, it seems, it's le- it's more agnostic to that. But um, but you know, getting back to your original question. I don't think he has anything against them. It's just he has his ways, and he just doesn't change very quickly. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but I think he's going to have to. And I think I, I also do think Tibbs is getting fed up with RJ. Uh, but I think I think what pisses me off the most, I'm, I'm honestly tired of people just looking. Like I saw someone post today, Dejounte Murray is a bigger, stronger, better Emmanuel quickly. It was just so insane. And I actually I didn't realize how insane it was until I looked at it. The Hawks are better with Dejounte Murray off the court than on the court on both offense and defense. They're better with him with him off the court on defense than offense. But then I was like, well, he plays his minutes with Trey. So when the Hawks play with Trey Young and Dejounte Murray off, they're not only better than the reverse of that, where Dejounte Murray plays with Trey Young off, they are also better than that when with Trey Young plays with DeJounte Murray, that means that implies that Trey Young might actually be better at defense than DeJounte Murray. And even if you don't believe that, there's no fucking way he's better than a guy who's been every time he's on versus off. It's a 10-point difference on defensive rating on a team that already like always has good defenders. He's that impactful. Do not tell me that DeJounte Murray is that. But he's bigger. And you know that Tibbs would do the same thing because he's bigger and stronger. Like you don't like, and tips of all guys should know that because his scheme is is a very high level conceptual scheme. It's it favors who has been great in Tibbs' scheme. Todd Gibson is a six nine dude with even in his prime solid athleticism. He was a work hard dude. He was an elite defender. Joe Kim Noah was six ten on a good day. Long arms, pretty quick, great. He wasn't Shaquille O'Neal. He was a defensive player, player of the year level. These are all smart guys who know where to be. Um, you know, guys like Jimmy Butler. Lou, Lou, oh, Jimmy's a different. He he really is that talented. But I'm talking about guys that were Jimmy is where that. But even as a superstar, Jimmy Butler is not like astonishing athleticism or just. I mean, like there's yeah. there's a there's a quality to him that I think is similar to the other players that you're citing. Where I don't well, it's, be, it's it's they're all incredibly cerebral players. Yeah, and that's what IQ has. That's what DDV has. That's what that's what the front office seems to get because they've been getting guys for Tibbs' scheme. They mm-hmm. seem to be and like he doesn't. He's playing RJ, who is has been good on defense, but he doesn't get it the same way. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to play above the scheme. The plays you see IQ make or Dante make or or Hart make, they are two steps ahead of the scheme. They're like they're not. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is well. This is what the scheme is supposed to take care of, and this. You know, the offense's play made that moot, so I have to cover it to execute what we actually wanted to do this way, right? And um, and so, but, I mean, quickly, just, like, 
you talk about everybody has to sacrifice. There's only one guy sacrificing right now. And coincidentally, the year before he get, gets paid. So there's a lot of reasons people are pissed. Yeah, I hadn't realized until um, until I did a little diving into numbers today. <laughs> like again, and not you know, it's not it's not it's not one thing. It's not the numbers. It's not the eye test. Like it's it's literally everything. There, there's when I was seeing today how quickly he's playing. First, just the abstract sense that you watched Emmanuel quickly have the year that he had last year. If you could go back in time and tell yourself in May that the Knicks would make almost no moves of consequence in terms of they don't they're not shaking up the roster. They got rid of one guy and they brought in a guy who's playing a little bit more than or playing more than that guy did. Um, but if you told if you told yourself in May that next year quickly is going to be playing five minutes fewer a game, even though I mean just at that point. Just at that point, if you just said that, you might go into shock, like you in the past. The aneurysm comes when you're then told, well, he's shooting better from two than he ever has. He's shooting better from three than he ever has. He's scoring a career high despite playing five fewer minutes a game. His assist percentage is at an all-time high. His on-offs remain absurd. He's playing five fewer minutes a game. Not because... And the only, like the only little window of sanity that I might hold on to, if you had told me that last year, would have been the idea that okay, then that means Quentin Grimes took the leap, because Grimes just, in terms of fit and in terms of uh, platonic ideal, just can present certain things that quickly can. It's not a matter of one better than the other, but I think next to Brunson, like a, a perfect Grimes, like okay, maybe that's a reason. I'm not even saying that's an absolute. But maybe that would be a reason why I quickly might lose some time. But that hasn't happened. And I liked Evincenzo a lot. But it's not like they brought in Dwayne Wade so quickly his minutes are going down. I, I, I'm really just saying the same thing that I said before. But I, okay, so let me, let me take it. This is, this is an abbreviated episode. Let me give you my last question about this. Because we keep, it's impossible to talk about this without hitting on RJ. Like, this all, in some way, I feel like connects back but to. He's he's spoken for, Matt. I don't think you can hit on. He has a girlfriend. <laughs> R.J. Barrett, would you? So, so part of the problem we saw last night, and the Knicks are not alone in this. I, I, it has been interesting to me how many things the Knicks got hammered for this year that are universal issues, like their struggles with the Bucks, their struggles with the Celtics, their struggles with big wings. Like the Knicks, you saw it in that game last night. They don't really have a great like good sized athletic wing stopper. A lot of teams don't even teams that have people in that prototype don't always have that guy. Um, so the Knicks already have that issue. Having said that, would you today trade uh, with no agreement, with no assurance of a, of a contract extension yet? Would you trade Barrett and Grimes and a couple of picks for marketing right now? Uh, well, he's under contract for a couple of years, right? It's this year and next, and then he's done. So it's low money. Barrett, it's like 16, Barrett, Barrett Grimes and picks. You said Barrett yeah. Grimes and picks, and I keep quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing that. You're trying to make. Room I mean, for what, what you mean when you say picks? I'm assuming it's my limit is Barrett Grimes, three unprotected. Oh, that's even more. Protected. Yeah, that's fine. 
I was thinking uh, RJ Grimes. I was thinking RJ Grimes, um, two unprotecteds, and like two protected. I don't know, you know. if Utah is gonna. Dude, he's really fucking good. <laughs> they may not. But it, it, to me, it's not about even. It's not the they most should not trade him. They're trying to loot someone, and I think we might have to just play that game. But yeah, would yeah. I do it? Absolutely. Look, the, the the here's the thing. RJ, I don't want to rip on RJ. He's a good player. You have Jalen Brunson, you have Julius Randle. Even if RJ gets to like league average shooting or above league average three point shooting, you will always think about what if we had a great shooter in that spot, like a Desmond Bain or a Lowry Markinen. But like if I could have a seven foot guy in that spot, like that is the ideal fit. And it's perfect because me and should have talked about this. It's like, well, Randall also sucks. You know, Schwinn will, will go through his phases. You know, when he is very out on Randall, what he will say is, even if we got another guy, will Randall be willing to accept a lesser role? Lowry is the perfect guy because Lowry can get his 20, 25 points and impact of the game without neither without needing to like isolate. So Julius can do still do his shit. Just look for Lowry. Just runs it like. Can you imagine? He would get seven assists a game passing to Markinen instead of Barrett, at least. And he would get and he would get another ten points because how do you guard a Julius Randall Lowry Markinen DHO a dribble handoff? Like two defenders have to go to Lowry, and then Randall has an easy walk to the rim, or two defenders have to deal with this fucking and like whatever else. Like I I have to say this, like because you've been the more pro Randall guy. I do have to laugh when it's like even when we had Mello, we never had this kind of like a six like or or Ewing. I've watched Ewing play. Ewing was a very he was not a finesse center, he's a power center, but we just have this dude who can do whatever he wants when he's when he's got it going. Randall. It's different from even Mello or Ewing. Um, like him and Lowry would be and like Lowry could do that without making it feel like Randall is like they would both kind of be honestly they would all three of them would be the one option, right? Like Julia uh, Brunson yeah. is going to be the guy running the show, but all three of them would be getting 20 plus. Or that would be the plan, right? Yeah. The, uh, so he's also like, that would be a better fit than I think if you brought a guy like Donovan Mitchell, because that would, I think lend itself more to a take turns type thing. Um, so like, this is, I think the ideal guy you want is a guy who can defend, which I think Lowry is actually pretty underrated on defense. He's got length and size. Mm-hmm. who is a really good shooter and who doesn't need the ball to be effective. That last qualifier is really hard to find. And Lowry gives you that while still being a star. I, I you know, I, I do that. I, I, the quickly is the only guy I'd hold out, but you know, if it reduced the price in, in picks, I might, I might do that too. So. So when I watch the games, there are moments where, this happens every year, and it always it always seems to happen with RJ. There's a game, there's a run, where they're really, really, really starting to click. Whether they're coming from behind or whether they're trying to take the lead, there's in, invariably at some multiple points in a the season, there comes a moment where they're on a break, and it kicks out to RJ on the side for a three, and if this three goes in, like... You can literally see it as like the pebble that starts the boulder that's going to roll downhill, and the shot never goes in. And this isn't just RJ. Like I'm, I'm over the years. Like 
when you watch teams that win, like they always seem to have that moment where they they need that basket, they get that basket. And when you're not a team that wins, you don't get that basket. And when you're a good team, like you get it sometimes, but like you don't well, you don't always feels get like it. we don't get it, right? Even Brunson misses those, it feels like, you know, for us. But yeah. whenever it's our it's always I, I'm starting to feel like RJ is that guy. Like not making any prophecies about his career in general, but just starting to feel like like But I mean even beyond that, right? Matt, if if we don't have a good shooter in that position next to Brunson and Randall, what are we doing, right? I mean, do you think like do you think it's worth it to have a guy there who isn't a good shooter? Unless he's like Draymond on defense or something? No, I've thought since they drafted Barrett, I thought drafted. I thought Barrett and Randall were ultimately redundant, and that one would have to go. I think Barrett and Hart are redundant. I don't think you can have Mitch, Randall, particularly a Randall who's now re-exploring mostly in the paint and the mid-range. Brunson's brilliant. By the way, Denver. I want to commend him for that because he's. Um, it's it's it is kind of a. I'll say this like to juxt like some of the frustration with Barrett is quickly came into the league. Quickly was a skinny guard who was off the ball and he was a spot up guy, and he never pressured the rim. Figured out how to pressure the rim. He wasn't a true point guard. Figured out how to pass the ball. Figured out how to take more pull ups. Figured out how to be an elite defender. Right? Randall has reinvented himself every year. Right? I, Randall's a guy I've shit on on this podcast. Everyone shits on him. He's also he went from before he came here a pick and roll roll guy. He struggled a lot as the number one option. Figured out how to be a pull-up guy in his the next year. Figured out that wasn't probably the most sustainable thing the next year. And then he figured out how to trade the most to take a more sustainable shot diet. And this year he's become more of a power guy and he's working harder to establish position deep. But it's frustrating to watch RJ in the face of, of that kind of thing with how IQ has improved, how Randall's improved, how Brunson has gone from, you know, like basically Andre Miller to a a, a, a middle class Steph Curry. I don't, I'm gonna say poor man's like that guy's shooting. That guy's he's an oyster bay Steph Curry. <laughs> an oyster bay Steph Curry. I like that. So everybody else is improving, but um, but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But no, just that I think, and this is, you know, my last thought for the day is just I think all of this exposes there's there are too many people who have reason to expect too many minutes they're going to have to make some kind of a move i think like a an odd number out and i i've never ultimately thought that rj fits because everywhere else where you could make a concession it's not worth it like if you had a, a a a five who could play face up particularly a five who can play from beyond the arc that's a better fit with rj but it's not worth losing what mitch gives me to bring in a generic five who can do that and, and help RJ somewhat. Like it's not worth losing what Mitch does. I think there's no question. I, I wondered a couple of years ago, especially about two years ago, like they're going to have to make a choice between Randall and Barrett at some point. Like that could get, I don't think there's any question like to me, especially given, I think Randall's pretty reasonable salary headed into the new economic reality. Like you're not going to sacrifice Randall for Barrett. You're not going to sacrifice Brunson for Barrett. So and I don't think you want to sacrifice quickly for Barrett either. That's I mean, the thing. I don't think I don't think you do. I think there was a point where I thought, like, you know, quickly has always, like you said, quickly has always improved, improved, improved. And 
with RJ, it's always been so. I remember writing, um, like pre-draft like uh, reports about Barrett, and, and always like there was always a reason to to. And again, not to make it past tense, he's not settled as a player. But I remember when he was at Duke, like I mean, like well, they weren't expecting against Zion until like Zion kind of reclassified at the last minute, and that's why he was there with Reddish and Barrett. None of them are really, you know, classic shooters, but like they're all obvious. So that, you know, that made it harder for RJ. And then, and all these things are true. And then he comes to the NBA. But like, I remember last year at some point, it struck me that like RJ Barrett has probably not had a good shooting season since high school. Well, no, he had the the COVID year. The year they made the playoffs, he shot 40%. He shot better, but like, but never had like, never like, oh, here's pure he RJ. Was 40%. Like, so yeah, great from three, but I still think. I have to look. I don't think he was great from like he wasn't efficient overall. Like he's yeah. Still right. That's the thing. That's the thing. So it's never happened. He really hasn't had it since high school, and I don't think he's incapable of it. I think if you put R.J. Barrett in the right circumstance, maybe it could work. If for some reason Golden State wanted him or Denver wanted him, like I'm sure his efficiency would improve. But so on this team, Jokic, Jokic for R.J. is on the table. You heard it for, here first, guys. From Professor Matt Miranda. I'll have to look at the salary cap implications before. Um, I just don't think RJ fits. And I think the the framing of Tibbs and quickly, um, not that I was beyond focusing on it for the recap, but I think ultimately I, I, I made a comparison of this to a murder mystery. And I think quickly and Thibodeau are like the two leading suspects. And the twist at the end is like, it's not either one of them. This is about RJ. And this team has to make a move to open up space for quickly who deserves it more and who is well, more important to their success. They, it's not just that that quickly Brunson, RJ, or sorry, quickly Brunson, Hart, Randall lineup. It's not just good. It is it is an NBA finals type of lineup. You know what I mean? They're, they're blowing teams out of the water by 20 points per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. This is, it's unprecedented. And it makes sense. Like they all play, but like this to me, this to me is like that Golden State Warriors death lineup, right? This to me, you got your Steph Curry and you got your Clay Thompson. Um, you have your top two guys, and then Iguodala and Draymond are your quickly and Hart who fill those gaps in. And that was what a beautiful lineup that was. And that, but it functions the same way. It creates that ball movement, but you still have your star player and Brunson. I'm not saying Brunson is good as Steph Curry. He's doing a pretty fucking good impression this year, by the way. But Oyster Bay. Um, you know, I, I think he's better than Oyster Bay Steph Curry. He's like uh Wes Hempstead. We'll give him Wes Hempstead. Um, but he, he's shooting 46% from three, Matt. Like I know. I know. He's, fucking, he's just shooting a couple attempts less than Steph does, but like if he wanted to shoot more, he could. Um mm-hmm. so you know, it's um like that's that's what it, like those guys and you're gonna have to pay quickly and you've already paid hard those are the guys who accentuate and like if you want to say randall isn't the guy fine but that's separate and i don't know how many guys you bring in that rj is just magically a better fit next to maybe if maybe if it's rj brunson and marketing fine but um i think quickly and part are just players who fit intrinsically well with any kind of star player because they can play off ball but also they can create for themselves and get those guys, you know, and draw attention for themselves. Right. So. And I think, again, if you keep thinking out the chess of it, like 
another addition by subtraction, if you do move on from RJ, is it opens up more minutes for Hart to play in the kind of lineups that maximize the player that he is. Hart can have a very wide range depending on who you play him with, like what kind of an impact he's having. But like if RJ is out and quickly is there more and you know Randall and Brunston are playing there most of the game, then Josh Hart's going to play a lot of minutes in situations where he can be like Max Josh Hart, which is a really nice player. Um, yeah. So we will see where the drama turns next on Thursday. Wait, today's Thursday. Is today Thursday? Yeah. Friday, the Knicks are in Orlando. Saturday, the Knicks are in Indiana. Um, at no some rest point, to the weary. At some point, the Knicks will make up the 83 extra road games that they have played than home games, but I don't know when. That's still going to be a while. Um, but two big games for them. We'll see how that goes, and we'll certainly um, have thoughts at some point during that. We will talk to you all then. Peace, everybody. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.